Welcome to season three of the Cut Red Handed podcast. My name is Dumebi. For each episode, we discuss a book written by an African author and how we relate to it. Join us for this exciting episode as we shine the light on another African writer. This episode was recorded over Zoom. Well, we're going to get into this book. The book is an intergenerational book. Not so many generations, just focus on the mother and her twin daughters, Candy and Ty. The author really goes deep into their stories and how they come together, even when they were apart, to make peace after a long while of being apart and their journey to finding themselves and all that happened along the way. So it's just a really amazing book. I loved, I loved the book and there were a lot of themes in the book. And yeah, we're going to go deep into talking about them. Before we go into talking about this book, we're going to talk about our week. And both of us were in Madrid. <laughs> what about you? Sometimes you can't think what I did this week. So we're in Madrid and we saw an amazing show. We saw the flamenco show, which was a highlight of the trip. And then we were able to rest and recharge. And I just really loved being away from home. I was able to not think about anything. I was able to just be and just be myself and reflect on my life and it was just a really good reset and it was very refreshing for me um i've been looking at pictures and just smiling it's been really beautiful so tell me how was your week so my week started off as you know i was on vacation but i had to complete a proposal and it took like a whole day and I felt bad because we could have gone somewhere or something. But thankfully, I finished the proposal and hopefully it made sense. So after that, we went on a tour. Since we went to Madrid, we saw Madrid. We went to a flamenco show. And um, we, are, we had amazing like Spanish food, which is very important when traveling, eating good food. Then... Hmm, I used the whole of Thursday to basically just, okay, not the whole of Thursday. I got to to Dublin in like three hours. So I just rested. Then the following day, I had to go to work. Then today, I just read the book. <laughs> That's what I did today. So yeah, this week was nice. It was fun, you know. It's yeah. it's it's just it's still surreal that I was in two different places at <laughs> like I I, I can't believe as at Monday and Tuesday I was in Madrid now and I'm at home child but thank God <laughs> vacation <laughs> has finished <laughs> I wish I'd stay for like more than a week but it's okay yeah it was short and exhilarating that's the word exciting yeah it was it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I love today and I'm just like god I had so much fresh food like I could taste the freshness and yeah. I was like now nah, I'm just here trying to find out where I can get like empanadas in Dublin but I'm still searching so <laughs> hopefully you find if not you travel again for a bit and come back oh I actually saw a place that I could get it so maybe when I pass there one day I'll just go in and see I know it's not going to be as good as you know 
the real authentic one from the real land of Spain. But it was when we travel, we'll see it. It was really yeah. nice seeing you. Okay. So now getting into the book, we're going to be discussing the book Butter Honey Pig Bread by Francesca Ikuyasi. So this is an amazing book that spans generations talking about a mother and her children, their twins, Taye and Kendi, and we get to see their lives and the brief period when they were separated from one another, the lives that they, they, they lived separately then, the lives they lived, the mother lived before the children, and the life they got to live with one another when they finally reunited. The writer has a very interesting writing style. I've seen similar writing styles, maybe from like Homegoing, and you mentioned one the other time, Girl, Woman, Order, where you see different characters and you get to see their lives. But what was interesting about this book was how I felt like food was a major part of this book. And food represented home. Food was was very important in the book and she went into detail as to how to prepare some prepare all the foods like the recipes and everything it really made you feel like you were in the book as you were doing it with the character like it just made it was real it made it more real it made the book an enjoyable experience and also it made it interactive because I'm definitely going to try out some recipes in this book and it also made me appreciate food. My mom is always saying that food is like the presentation of food is very important. I should say to me when I was younger, if food doesn't look good, somebody doesn't want to eat it. Like it made me think of what she said then and made me realize that food is a language. And when you want to share this love language, especially in African culture, you want to share that love language with your family, people use it to apologize, people use it to get together. It's something that should be done with love and care. And it just made me want to get better at creating my chef-like food experiences. Because sometimes I'll just make a meal and it's just a meal. But to actually put in so much into learning how to do something really well, I think I would actually try that because of this book. One of the characters, that was her outlet on how she let out her stress through baking and food. I wanted to also mention that many times when we're watching like Korean drama, we'll see how food is also a part of their culture. You see them talking about what they want to eat and the different types of food. Even you that are watching it from a faraway country, be like, can I go to South Korea and enjoy this meal? That's exactly how this book made me feel about the types of food that she mentioned. You know, when she mentioned jollof rice, even me, I was like, ah, this is so good. Like, I'm so glad that someone incorporated it enough that somebody that might not even be Nigerian, I've never heard of this, would be like, what is this food that I write in here? And there is even a recipe. Let me try it out. So I just really like how it felt like she was bringing that culture and food representation <laughs> of the culture into the book that made that mm-hmm. because it's a major part of the culture to go there and experience the food and what these people like to eat when they are missing home. And even the characters, like when they gathered together abroad and they were like, oh, they all felt a little homesick. But when they were together, they prepared something that reminded them of home. It was just like a way of feeling like you belong somewhere. And it was just really nice to see. I just, 
I just loved that very much, especially. That was one thing that was very different about this book. And the writer also went in depth, like the different places she talked about. It was obvious that she has been to those places. She has lived there for a bit. You know, she talked about Montreal, talked about Halifax, talked about Montpellier in France. She talked about London, so parts of London and Lagos. And it was just really like she was there. She knows the stores around. She has experienced it. So, so many of the experiences that she, it wasn't it wasn't someone that was writing it from googling places at home. Like it was obvious that this writer has had those experiences. And I was listening to one of her interviews. And they were asking her, like, why did she talk so much about Thai? Because it felt like at the point that I'm like, what about with your Thai story? But she said, like, she lives in Halifax the longest. Like, she lived there since, like, you know, she relocated there from Nigeria. And she knows Halifax a lot. And since Thai lived in Halifax, she ended up writing so much about you know, Tai And Tai's story was so colorful, more colorful than others, I would say. And they showed her imperfections. And, you know, everybody was just trying to live in the book. The mother had, you know, she was, they say she's an Ogbanji, but in terms, she was just the person that was a sickle cell. She had sickle cell. And in the, in the past in Nigeria, like, when people had sickle cell, they didn't know what it was. They just felt like this person just keeps dying. And it's just two people that have the AS trait coming together to make children have sickle cell trait. And when they have this, they'll be dying. And it's just like they said they are leaving their mother or something like that. That's how they described them. So the way she portrayed it, like it was a spirit reincarnation kind of spirit. And this time the child had decided to stay and because she decided to stay instead of dying there were so many consequences that she had to experience by choosing to stay and it was it was just interesting to go down that path as well so it was just a really beautiful book and wait let me see what else i wrote at the beginning she talked about she really represented africans uh, living abroad away from home and it was just really also nice to see that perspective in books. You don't see a lot of that. In one of her interviews, she was like, many Africans live far away from home and they have a longing for home. But this longing is not one that can be quenched from going home, but it can only be quenched by having an alternate universe where they made a life at home and never even left at all. So it was just really beautiful to see i listened to it on audible and it was the audiobook and it was, it was so nice it was read by amaka Ome. my god she changed the voice whenever there was a new character she changed the voice she matched the accents i have to give you know credits to that person amaka Ome. thank you so much for making the recording for the audible book because if somebody had just read it in a monotone i wouldn't have enjoyed it and i had no choice but to use the audiobook because I was traveling and things were hectic. So there was no way that I could read the actual physical book because I didn't have any time. So it was just really an enjoyable experience. Then one thing I saw, I would stop talking after a while. One after this, I, I would give you the mic. I realized that butter, because I was like, what is butter for pig bread? I realized butter represented the organic butter she talked about in the first part. 
And she talked about the butter in the salted caramel cake and how her sister liked butter. And Honey was the beehive that she had. And they talked about how she enjoyed the original Honey and not the one that they buy in stores. And, it, and they also talked about how that's linked to their father as well. And Pig, when she represented pork belly and kimchi stew that she talked about. And bread, when she was talking about sourdough bread. Hopefully I got that right, but that's how that's why I thought um represented that in those chapters, the butcher honey, pig and bread. So it was just really beautiful. There was attention to detail. It was it was a good story. I enjoyed it. I felt like I was in the book and I loved it. And I loved the letters that Tai wrote to her sister. I think that was one thing I really enjoyed seeing just how she felt in those moments and how she was still reaching out for someone, you know, in that time. So there's so much I have to say, but I'm just going to take me, you know, stats and say some things as well. So regarding the book, I actually enjoyed the book. Thankfully, it's still very fresh in my memory. I noticed that just as what you said, basically, I noticed that it got to a point when I was reading, I was like, it looks as if, <coughs> excuse me, it looks as if, it was as if Taya was like the main person in the book. Because exactly what you said, what the topic was, uh, honey, butter, pig bread. At first, I, I didn't really look at the topic because I was like, I guess if I read it, I'll be able to know where that's from. And <clears throat> I noticed that it was all, like they were all concentrated in Thai story, each of Thai stories. So, yeah. well, that's one that I got out from the book. Another thing I got out from the book was Kambirinachi, which is their mother. I wasn't too sure if she was a sickler. So, because I got confused, they didn't really say, like, the author didn't really say that she had sickle cell or anything like that. At first, I assumed she had sickle cell because, you know, she was dying, coming back, dying, coming back, just like the um, Nigerians who explained, you say it's Obanje, she would die and come back, die and come back. Or Yoruba people, they, they'll call it Abiku, you know. So, they didn't really concentrate too much on the physical aspect of her health, but rather the spiritual. Because I got really confused because she had voices that she was hearing. It was as if she was fighting with these voices. So it actually, you know, got to me because I really wanted to know what these voices were. They referred to them as a king. So that was one bit because I was assuming she was sickle cell, like she had sickle cell, I mean, she had crisis, yeah. but they never really talked about her having crisis. They only said like she was fragile and she was always hearing voices and all that. So that really like caught my attention, you know, her growing up and her mother leaving her and that dying. That was another thing that really helped me because, you know, she lost her dad and her mother looking at her you know, decided to put the blame on her because of, you know, how she is or how strange she is that the father died. I think it was just like this whole superstitious thing going on. So she then dropped, like gave us a daughter out to, her mother's name is Ikena. So she gave her daughter to her sister, Akuchi, right? I'm not sure, it's Azuchi, Akuchi. So she left her daughter there, only visited her once and just vanished we never knew what happened to her and i just felt like when certain things like that happen maybe a family member they've lost a family member it is the time for both of them to be 
as close as ever because they now just have each other. Mm. So I felt really sad for her. You know, the mother blaming her for her, mother, her father's death spiritually and just leaving her, you know, in the care of her, her auntie, which, by the way, was so nice. Thankfully, you know, she didn't drop her with someone that was probably, you know, harsh or anything like that. So it must have been very, very, it was very, very, not it must have been, it was very, very, you know, stressful traumatic. and traumatic. Yes, that's what traumatic for her. And she lost her first child. She had a miscarriage. And it was like there was this thing, dragging thing going on to her, like going on with her spiritually. You know, I came with her. I actually really got confused with that, you know, the voices in her head and herself. It was just very, very confusing because I didn't know how to put it. You know, they didn't explain her going to the hospital that much. She didn't have any crisis. So it got, I just really got confused. Like what was going on there? You know, I really wish that the author actually put a name to that, you know, so that we actually know what was going on. So I think maybe, sorry, I think maybe all those voices were happening while she was having crisis. Because at the point she woke up and she had vomit on her or something like that. Mm. So I think that whole thing where the voice are talking to her might be the crisis. Because, I don't know, maybe because they never really s- spoke about, like, the physical aspect of it. Because I wouldn't know, you know, I don't know anybody that, you know, has, you know, sickle cell. But sometimes you want to know, does this actually happen? You know, the person, we know the person is down physically, but what happens in the spiritual realm? So... I really didn't know whether to connect that to her crisis or anything like that. I just felt like she was, you know, for someone that had so many things surrounding her birth and all that, maybe she was just a special being. That was on me. I just assumed it as. So I know that her story, yes, just like the daughter's, but it was a story that I was always looking forward to, you know, reading and all that. Yes, I think I agree with you because I think the beginning, she... She didn't, she never knew she would actually end up growing up, going to school, you know, getting married, having kids and all that, you know. So it was a story that really, really like struck me. Like even the after the death of our husband, that was the one that was like, I don't know, it was kind of, but thankfully she didn't leave her kids or anything like what her mom did to her, but she was absent. It was like she was there, but she wasn't there. She was absent for a long time. And something that really, 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 like, really struck me in her story, another thing that struck me in her story was the battle she was having within self. It was as if she was trying to come out from whatever, you know, I don't know how to call it. You said it was a crisis, but it was as if she was trying to come out from a spiritual realm to a physical at the point i was comparing it to um sleep paralysis because it was but i think it was greater than that she knew what was happening to her kids you know in the spiritual realm but she wasn't there physically she knew they were in danger they were in trouble and she wanted to come out from wherever she was you know so that she can stand on from the bed and, you know, just go and fight for them or something. But she just saw that she couldn't. It was just a very, her, her, her story was just very, 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 
what's the word? Should I use the word incredible? I don't know how it's mm. unbelievable. Let me put it that way. It was just, it was just something to till now. Sometimes I just feel like if when I was reading, I just felt like dissecting a story properly, but I felt like I couldn't as much as the others, you know, at kids. It was easy to read theirs, but it felt as if our own story was just beyond the the normal. Let me just put it that way. So yeah. So yeah, it's I, I still have I actually didn't write anything down. So because it's still fresh in my memory, so it's still in my head. So I'll just allow you to talk while I think of some other things. Yeah. So on on what you said about Cameron Achi, just how she was portrayed as that human more than just the mother in the book, I think that was also very beautiful because. Mm-hmm. It's until we grow up that we realize that our parents are just human like us and they too have things they are struggling with. And she was still struggling with that. She still had to be a good mother. She still had to show up, you know, because her children needed her. And fine, she wasn't able to show up as much as she wanted to, but she really did try her best. Because see, she was even fighting the spiritual realm for her to come out and yeah, to save them. her kids with what they were you know, going through. Yeah. Save them. But she, she did her best, but that was all she could do at that moment. It's just really unfortunate that you know, those things happened with Kendi and yeah, I don't mean, you can't blame my sister for not showing up, but I, understand, I kind of understand in the sense I, that yeah. they had like a telepathy kind of thing going on, so she's like you should have known <laughs> I can't be going through this that you will not know you can't. but I didn't know it was like multiple times I swear, like they never said anything, like yeah. I couldn't yeah, I couldn't, because it was a it was a scene when the uncle you know, wanted to rape her, the person that was staying with their um, with their family as soon as her dad died. And the, the relationship was just weird. The dad's fourth cousin from his father's side came to stay with them as soon as he died. Then she brought her boyfriend, Uncle Ernest, along. And I'm like, what is with this familiarity? Because it, it was as if they never even knew she existed, you know, when the dad was still alive and she just decided she insisted that she wanted to stay with the family be there for the family you know as soon as he died and the uncle was sexually molesting harassing or even raped the um, candy and i was surprised that later on the it was she, she mentioned that it happened multiple times because the first time it happened i assumed that you know that was when um, ty was under the bed listening the guy assaulted sexually assaulted candy and what is her name sister bc came i think she tried to you know bring them out of the room and she told the fourth cousin and the boyfriend uncle ennis to leave and that i thought that was it i sincerely thought that was it so i was just wondering when did it happen like multiple times multiple times I don't know. <laughs> I'll go to their mom's room. So I don't know if <clears throat> if that was the last time that it happened that you now chased the guy out. Or I don't know. Mm. 
because it felt like the the time he did it, the time the the like the writer wrote about it and Taib was under the bed. It felt like that was the first time he first had time, it. yeah, that's what he did. Because I was expecting, so okay, times, I was like, yeah, he said she said multiple times, and it looked like the subsequent times after that, Taib was then going to her mom's room to sleep leaving Kende alone in the room and that's when Uncle Ernest comes in and rapes her. So it, it was like a bit confusing at that point. Like I thought it was just a one-time thing because they were also referring to it as when that thing happened, you know, yeah. that thing, you know, he didn't mention those times or she didn't say, oh, you know, multiple times that bad thing happened or something. She just said, bad thing happened. So it felt like it was only once it happened. Maybe it happened again. Maybe he came back. Maybe in the future. I don't know. Because if I you notice, know. if you notice that Cambry actually when she came out from that crisis, let me put it that way, she, she carried, yeah, she knew what had happened. She carried the chair and went to that NS old room and just was hitting the door because feel she was very angry and all that. You know, I don't know. Maybe she was angry at yes, she was angry at what the man did to her daughter, and probably also maybe wished she was there. You know, I don't know. Was she angry at herself that she couldn't come out from that immediately to save her child? Mm. So it's just that she was just putting all that anger on, you know, hitting the door and all that. Yeah. But I think I think that one was the last straw. I think what they told us was the last straw. Because Taye attempted to kill the man in her sleep. That was how bad it was. Mm. So she was sleepwalking with a knife and was almost stabbing him when the mom came and picked up the knife. I don't know if the guy just picked the first person he saw, because I cannot imagine why he mm. just crying day. I don't even get the point of picking a young child and saying, no, I'm going to molest her. Like, it just does not make sense. It just, something is wrong with you up there. That's the thing. It, it's it's not normal. It's not normal. That's the thing. So, people that yeah. tend to do that, they may, they may think they are not, you know, they are not, mad, they are not insane, but they definitely are. You know, your brain has to be twisted for you to even think of molesting a child. You know, unrelated. I was watching, I was online and a guy tweeted something and said that he's, he can't believe that his neighbor dropped their 14-year-old child for him to watch over while they're away. That how could they, and that this girl's body is too good or that anything can happen and if anything happens they should not blame me because yeah. they were the ones that decided to drop their child with him you know at that point i didn't know what to think because i've heard i even know someone that came to you know drop a child here with me to, you know just let her stay here she sincerely told me that she's too scared to drop a child with only male neighbors which is understandable with the way this world is now you know, because anybody could think like that guy. So yeah. it's quite sad that yeah. you know some people would sit down. Mm -hmm. It's it's just sad. You can't trust her. Can you trust her? 
You can't even trust the woman. You can't even say, oh, she's also female. It's true. Female, they also rape other females. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, the world has become that bad. The world is scary. It's, the world is so scary. Really, really, really struck me. But the book was, <laughs> so it was amazing though. I actually enjoyed it, you know. So I had a an interesting relationship with the Catholic Church. She was like, it was like her comfort zone, yeah. somewhere she could go to to just the familiarity of everything kind of gave her like a peace. And she was always just searching for a way to live, a way to keep living, a way to just hold on to something. Just a ghost buddy. Yeah, her variation <laughs> from the Catholic Church. <laughs> she kept seeing this lady i don't know lady or our lady her lady and she kept seeing her appear to her and that was kind of like the person that kept her company when she was lonely or when she Mm. wasn't sure what to do or when she felt like a bad thing in her spirit that you know like when her friend wanted to commit suicide like i felt that was like conscience or something yeah but then she kept seeing the physical i i didn't i didn't know that at the point I didn't yeah. know that at a point because it, it felt more like it was a conscience. Then now was the part where it said a lady was sitting by the door. I said, okay, then I guess this is not a conscience. <laughs> this is something else. It's like, a, what do you call that? Something friend, imaginary friend. <laughs> I said ghost. I said, ah, okay, then no problem. Ghost is also another way of seeing. Mm. She was basically seeing the physical thing. She wasn't sure if it's because of how much she smoked or whatever to see, but that was what kept her company and the letters she wrote to her sister. So that made her know there's somebody in this world that cares about me, even though she's not fully showing it. You know, because it can be really sad to live in this world thinking you're the only person like yes. It can be really alone. She didn't calls her mom. Her mom is not really fully there. Her mom is like spaced out talking about that woman <laughs> is a wonder i swear like she is fascinating then they will say she's not sure who yeah like she, she and her sisters who are your sisters we are who is we what is going on <laughs> but the interesting thing she used that unique way she sees the world paints and she was an artist with that mm. and that was really mm. cool I, I, could, I, I was trying to imagine how well she drew that's true so so unique. They said it was like a kaleidoscope, so it's just been quite interesting how mm-hmm. you see. It was um yeah, and I loved how the minor characters had their own stories. Like we got to share Isabella's story, Timmy's story, um, who is that girl that went to Barcelona? Aiden. Aiden, yeah. Aiden. Aiden, yeah. So we got to hear all these people's stories and share the life with them. It was just very easy to relate to this character. And um, Farouk. Farouk. Yeah. Farouk's story quite interesting. He told yeah. also, everyone just tried to find a way to live with the book. Yeah, very, very interesting. Normal life. So many, so many people. Okay, continue. Continue. Okay, so I just wanted to say that so many people were also, like so many people they met, you know, mm. We're also trying to like figure it out from their mom, Kaim Kamiri Nachi, and the girl she met in school, Mercy. You know, that was like I think I was like her first friend in school, and they actually emphasized that she was um she had sickle cell, mm. so she actually passed. And you know, meeting 
her husband who what's what's his name yes banji and you know um meeting her husband's family <laughs> meeting her husband's family because they didn't like how our own family is like no mother no father just an aunt that is dating a married man you know what kind of dysfunctional banji's love for cambering that she was something else because even his sisters knew that how can this girl comes to your life and suddenly you are like this you were not you were never like this before and i'm like shouldn't you be happy <laughs> because it was because of her that he was nicer he was more generous he was more patient with you guys and all that so they had their own story another thing that got me was auntie mc that's their father's younger sister she <laughs> had her own story as in she i think she divorced her husband of 12 years or something and she had three kids shade being the youngest and i noticed that just as what they did to her she was doing to shade and i really wish that parents shouldn't do that like she was the youngest of four children and i think she was being pushed aside you know and she was a girl again you know so she then did it to her own daughter who was also the youngest of three kids she had two boys and she treated them like gold even though they were not in the house with her and she just pushed away her daughter maybe because of neglect the daughter you know got pregnant and tie new apparently she has like an antenna that can detect pregnancy i don't know tie <laughs> new and you know shade's relationship with her mom was just they didn't really say much but we knew it was very it wasn't smooth that like a mother daughter relationship should be and it just got me thinking like you know mothers and their sons are like <laughs> i don't know whether they are so they're like gold i don't i don't understand sometimes i don't understand because you would think that is the daughter that you should be close to you know but they tend to be hard towards the daughter maybe because they experienced it themselves so they felt like this is a way i should treat my child if she's a girl as well so yeah that also like you know so something that shocked me is like a very minute story from you know it's not the major they are not part of the major yeah. you know characters but it was something that you know i took to hearts like their story so yeah and even Toki's story, is it Toki that we call him? And his story was interesting to me because he, they were saying like he wasn't the same person as he was when he was a child. And, you know, he had to be like more masculine. Like you could tell that something had gone, like something was different. Some things have happened between that time when he was a child and now to make him who he was. And he they said he lost some light in his eyes or some mm -hmm. light in him. And she's yeah. like, she wonders if that's because she grew up and if he can see, if he, she can also see that she lost a little light or something like that. It was just quite interesting. Real life happens. And now they explained that it was very different. Always pushing Isabella around. And when they went to Iko Club swimming, he wears speedos and the guy, he doesn't wear trunks like the guy. So I can imagine. And it was probably someone that was confident in wearing his speedos for showing Isabella. <laughs> Kids can be so cute, especially if they have mad crushes on their fellow mates. Yeah. yeah. 
I could imagine what must have happened to him. And I also didn't, actually disliked Isabella. I didn't like her. The yeah. fact that I felt she was using Taye. I don't care whatever it is that she was going through. Maybe, you know, she wasn't aware of her sexuality or anything like that. But I felt she was using Taye. Hmm? But I knew she was using her. I know. I'm angry at her. So I'm just, she, if you notice Taye, she's just, that's who she is. Like, mm. that's why I was like, it would be nice if she could get like therapy to bring herself out of such addiction. But I also felt like Isabella shouldn't have used her like that. I don't know. Kind of like she played with her. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but Isabella, Isabella was just searching for any form of happiness she could get. She's, she was, she's not so happy in this marriage. She was like, is this marriage going to make me happy? And then she was asking all those questions all those times. Yeah, when she was drunk. And when she was drunk. And, you know, she knows that the marriage is not what's going to make her happy. She somehow wants to like hold on to every little bit of happiness she can get because she doesn't feel in her normal life or even in her future life any any like glimmer of hope of happiness you know and she's wondering how she can find that and she found that she's really happy with this girl and every time she's with her she wants to be with her so maybe maybe she was just holding on to by hope I hope she's sorted. I don't know whether it's a real story, but I hope she's like sorted it out because she still eventually married Toki. So, yes, they felt oh they were sorting it out, but it's not worth it. I just feel like if you, I just feel like if you don't love this person or you are not sure, you know, it's one thing to have doubts and it's another thing to be nervous. You know, if you're nervous, oh, okay, you guys are starting a new life. You know, it's just nerves. Anything can happen. But if you have doubts, and she's definitely not getting, like, she's she's definitely not happy. What was stopping her from stopping the engagements? You know, I don't know. I just felt like if you're not sure, because it will be it will be hurtful to both you and the person you're married to. So I don't know. But I don't think she like doesn't like the idea completely of being with Toki. Toki is familiar. She knows Toki. They've played together since they were young. So, I mean, I feel like for her, she felt, if I'm going to do life, I might as well do with somebody that I already know. It's not like she does pick this stranger and try to, you know, it's her friend that she has known for years. So, maybe that's her thought process. I don't know. But she was she, she, she was dealing with her own. Everybody was just dealing with a lot in the book. Yeah. And you know how Nigerian tradition is, you know, before you know it, they're asking you, where's your guy? Where's your marriage? And this woman that has loved her for years. I mean, I'm sure she's just like, you know what? Why not? Mm-hmm. You know. And it's not like she slept with multiple women up and down. She just wanted to try with Tai, who she has always, Ugh. you know. I just like, felt like she, I, I don't know. I just felt like you just sort your issues first before you know you want to bring someone into it. Anyways, I do like Farouk though. <laughs> Although they didn't really like, there wasn't much, but I, I noticed something. Why was Kendi so insecure? 
you know, with Farouk and Taye. I she got about to that. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I just felt like because she knew her sister was, you know, gay. So why did she feel that way? Like, where did the insecurity come from? I know that yes, she's always been, you know, envious of her sister's shape and all that. She's the plumpy one, while her sister is the slim one. The more she eats, the more her sister eats, the more she gets fat or something. I don't know how the whole thing works, but she was really envious about Ty's physique and all that. But I just felt like if you knew your sister is not attracted to men, why were you so insecure about? you know, her and Farouk in the same space or something. Just, I don't know how bad, maybe, I'm not going to say low self-esteem, but I don't know how bad as insecurity was when it comes to her being with Tai. But I don't know, Sha. So this is like, a part of her feels like she's big she knows it in her heart that that's how she has always felt even if it's not like physically maybe that might not even be the case maybe it's just in comparison to her sister she has just felt like she was bigger and from when she was young her mom had been on that case always talking to her about her weight her weight her weight so to her it's always something that has been ingrained that insecurity has been ingrained now she wasn't just having that normal they are big. This one now, you have somebody that looks exactly like you, but she's looking like the slimmer version of exactly like you, real life, right mm-hmm. beside you. So this is basically who you are supposed to look like if you were just slimmer. So that that even amplifies the whole situation because you are seeing that maybe in your own eyes, maybe not in everybody's eyes, but in your own eyes, she's a more beautiful version of yourself right beside you, real, (laughs) not in your head. And you have this guy you really like, maybe a part of her feels, this guy, maybe he likes, he doesn't really like my body, maybe he likes my face, and then he will now see my sister with a slimmer version of my face and prefer my sister to me something like that so maybe that's how she has always felt because it's to her her mother preferred Tai. a lot of people always preferred Tai. even in the book the writer wrote mostly about okay that's true actually because <laughs> i was reading i was like it's always this book is about Tai. I don't know, just just made sense that way. You came this story has a lot about Thai's letters, Thai's letters. Right? What about Kade? What about Kade? The girl, when she was young, she said trade up, she had eating disorders, you know, because she didn't want to eat. And in the end, the problem with it with not eating is that your metabolism will slow down and any small food you eat your body will hold on to it and not let it go and that's the problem and that's how you keep getting it makes things worse actually all those fat diets so you know she will go as far as starving nobody saw that you know she will still talk for Thai she still tried but 
she just never felt seen. Yeah. Even her father, when she talked about her father, her father was always, she always thought that her father was always preferring Thai because talk about the honey mm-hmm. incident and with the bees and he, he took her to the whole uh, place to get her beehive set up. But he gave her Coca-Cola. So, but then again, Coca-Cola liked Thai. The cat. Oh, yes, you see that? So, it's just, Thai, Kay didn't ever felt anybody was on her side. So, her, she didn't really have a lot of, she didn't have family. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. She didn't have anybody on her side, her family. Maybe she just felt that one person. Yeah, but I remember what she said. I remember what she said when she went to visit, I mean, when she went to Isabella's engagement party and she was looking at everyone and you know old mm. you know classmates from school and she was like if she hadn't left because she kind of left left everything here left mm. because i think she yeah, left she at 18 yeah so she didn't have friends she didn't keep in contact with anyone so basically all the friends she knows are practically in um, where was she montreal so mm. she didn't really you know, it's like she left everything. So having to, you know, having friends and all that, she didn't really have many friends. And I really wish the writer actually talked about her because I didn't really know what she was doing until later. And I realized she was actually an artist. Because mm, so I didn't really take, yeah, like a mom. I was like, that could have been interesting, you know. Artists, their lives are always interesting, right? She should have, you know, at least talked more on, you know, talked more about Candy, you know. She just talked about how when she had a miscarriage, that helped her out, so she put all that in. Yeah, with, so um, where's that boyfriend? Her. Wolf, Wolfie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so amazing when Taye saw Wolfie in France. I knew, because when they said he was going to France to go and learn whatever, I mean, ZBA line or something, I can't remember. I knew you would meet Thay at some point because then Thay was in France and she kept mm. she kept looking at her. He was really broken with that relationship, with his relationship with Kendi. He really, really loved her though. So, so sad. And so um, Thay in France and just kept looking at her. You know, you guys are, look alike, blah, blah, blah. And she automatically remembered what the psychic told about her sister, Wolf, and Love, or something like that. I was like, hmm. <laughs> because, because the psychic mentioned Wolf, Candy, Love. She was like, ah. Then she believed what the psychic said. It was so amazing that she never intended to send the letters to Candy. She just kept writing. She just kept mm. writing. She just kept writing. When I got to that part, I was like, are you serious? It's a lie. So she was just writing, writing, writing until um, Banker then sent it to Taye, to Kende. Sorry. So she never actually wanted to send those letters. And I, I don't know why. Like Maybe. I can't remember. Did she say like why? Like a diary, okay. But she didn't. She didn't say why she wanted to tell somebody, but she didn't have anybody to tell. Uh, (laughs) Is it a lady? You know, she needed somebody to tell. That's the person she could think of to tell. She was really lonely. Maybe that was why she was a play girl or something. She was really, really lonely. I felt so sad for her. 
Kendi actually that time she talked about how she called and she would just stay quietly on the phone and both of them. That's how she knew that. The only time I do that is somebody called with a private number. <laughs> I'm not gonna say Stand no. You talk first. You call me. You talk first. <laughs> I'm like, so what was the point? Why did she do that? Like, you call and I'm just, like, just, said, just say hello. How are you? I say fine. Okay, bye. Boom or something. Just say something. She was really hurt from the whole Uncle Ernest experience because at a point I was questioning. Okay, I actually got angry about her, like her keeping quiet under the bed, not saying a word, not shouting. And then again, I was like, she she was still a child. She probably was petrified. She didn't know, yes. was confused. She didn't know what to do. She she was shocked. She she froze. What do? Like no. she froze. Mm-hmm. I, I was even thinking of things that she could have done, but I was like, if you really think about it, she was a child. That was the first thing that could come to her head to keep quiet and not say anything because she didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like. This one alone, this one time, that's when me, I was thinking it was just a one-time thing. This one-time thing is enough for Kendi to feel the way she's feeling. But now that I'm hearing that, now that I'm saying that it was multiple times it happened, then I want to believe her, her, the way she's acting was justified to me, to me. But people are different. She probably didn't know what to do and she wanted to maybe collect her thoughts, even if it takes 10 years plus, I don't know. But she felt betrayed. And if she really thinks about it, Taya was still a child, sharp, or I don't know. And Taya always felt guilty about that thing all her she life. She always she felt guilty. Yeah. They are twins, they're supposed to be connected. They shouldn't, you know, have to be apart for them to realize. Like if it had them being forced to be in Lagos at that time for them to connect. If they were not in Lagos, they have made up. I don't even know. They needed to be in Lagos. That letters needed to be sent. All those things need to happen. So it's a good thing that that girl sends the letters because it's a good thing she did though. If we even say let's think about it, not too many things even happen to Kendi like that. You know, mm-hmm. Thai's story was. <laughs> I think this really happened. To is so we can't say too many things didn't happen to Kendi. It's true, Sha, because we so don't know. I also wanted to know the relationship between their mother and that beehive man because I really wanted to know. They mentioned him that like, it's not Kenneth, the guy that said he knows her when he's he the met beehive guy. Is it's it the beehive? Guy. Was it the beehive it's guy? Not, it's the guy's name, not Kenneth. It's the beehive guy's name, not Kenneth. My brain was telling me that that is it, though. I'll construct it. No, no, no. She might not be the person. And like, me, I was thinking it was one of her urban Jerry incarnations. Oh, how bad is Kenneth? What I'm telling you, because she said she told to be in that body. So she can choose where she can be. She even mentioned that she played with Usman Dafodio in one of her reincarnations. So I'm like, maybe, you know, she enters somebody's body. Manarism, because it was like the manarism, he knows his manarism. He knows the way the person is behaving. And if you think about it, shouldn't she be like, I, I know you, not him being like, you look familiar or something. She needs to be the other way around. I don't know. 
I, I don't guess know. So. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Another interesting really character was yeah. Toyo C. <laughs> she That's later became Pastor's wife. I was like, okay. It happens, or it happens a lot. But I don't know her beef between her and Kambirichi, Kip Kambirinachi. Because I know Kambirinachi mentioned that she should talk to her sugar daddy regarding her husband about job, which I actually felt too that she was too forward because she was keeping quiet. She had just met them. So for her to mention that was a bit, you know, too forward. But I don't think that was enough for her to have some kind of change because it was for a while, like eight years since after, you know, since they met. Yeah, so I was thinking of Tai in Montpellier. I really liked it because Montpellier was actually my second dress. Like, oh, not my second dress. One of the things I was considering when I was thinking of going to learn French in France, I ended up mm-hmm. going to Rouen. But then I also wanted to go to Montpellier. And I always told myself that I would go back to Montpellier. So to now see it in the book, her going there to, you know, learn French and, you know, learn cat, how to make Catalan food. I just really cool so this was a very cool experience and then she met bobby who was backpacking you know because he had left his apartment and he was he left his job and his wife fake wife i was a big wife but wife who married him to take half his money you know he knew she didn't love him you know but he still went through with the hoping she would stay but she left and he's like i'm done with this and he sold everything and just you know went backpacking and that's where she had, she met her first love interest. And it was just a very interesting place for her. I feel like it was a place where she started to find herself or something like that. But I like how she wrote the application to them. And she's like, will you be able to, can I work for you guys? You know, I can't afford it except I sell my blood. I have to sell something. my blood, yeah. <laughs> like, so so not like, does the, was the blood joke too forward? Like, <laughs> too much. <laughs> too much and it was really cool i just i like that story but yeah i really wish we saw more of candies even how be it maybe it was a more boring this thing but it just showed that all of them were human everybody just had their human story you know nobody mm-hmm. was perfect in the book everybody was going through their own thing everybody was trying to live you know even the one that tried to take his life had people i literally you know, was just thinking about that timmy Mm. I love mm. when she called Timmy and they were talking and he's like, bro, come to Lagos. And he's like, are you serious? I'll really come home. And he the motherland. And came. That was me. Yeah, I also love the fact that I gave her the idea of, you know, getting her own food truck. Because it felt like she was still trying to figure out what it is that she wanted to do. And I felt that was perfect, you know. She can cook yeah. local dishes, continental dishes, and she loves doing it, you know. So it would be something, you know, she just, I know it's not easy to start a business, but, you know, the passion is there. So I guess what's left for her is fun. You're always cooking more food than normal, you know. Yeah, she's always cooking more food so she can cook for large <laughs> for people. And God, they love Mosas in that family. I don't want to a family that loves Mosas so much. <laughs> 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 they love, love Mosas. Oh, God. So, no, I felt like eating Mosas. And she mentioned empanadas. I was like, no! She now she did the one with shrimp inside and she went to like she shared it 
with uh, guys. I think I can't remember where she was. Was it Halifax or London? I can't remember where she was. The the ending of the book was I, I don't know. As soon as I just finished, I just paused for a very long time. And I don't know. I feel, I was wondering why the writer decided to end the book like that. Sometimes I wonder when I read all these books, I'm like, what goes on in the heads of these writers? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it was an interesting book. It really yeah. was interesting. And just here, she talked about the black people history in Halifax. How they've been there for four hundred years. I found that quite interesting mm. as well. Yeah. In the end, we're all trying to find ways to live, find peace, happiness. Yeah. Was a really nice. Time. I later saw the part that you were like the halal thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's what. Oh yes, yes. They were killing the pig, and it can it affected Kendi. Like I think that was the first time she ever saw a pig got you know shot. It's strange, just shooting the animal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know that that's what they do. I didn't know. Yeah, it's so dreadful. Know. So is the animal running when they are shooting? I don't even want to talk about this kind of thing. <laughs> they don't shoot. They don't shoot the animal. That's just it. They don't slaughter like we do in Nigeria. It was so strange because I didn't know. I thought all animals were killed. Maybe were slaughtered. Killed. Yeah, because well, I just heard about. I'm like, oh, when wow. someone told me, I was like, "Isn't that how they are killed in the first place?" But apparently, yeah. so that was very interesting. Now I know. Maybe I'll go and check out Halal meat and see if that would taste different to me. Who knows if you meet and buy chicken. <laughs> I don't know. Not chicken meat. <laughs> not chicken for me, please. No. Okay. Yeah, this was a really nice session. Thank you so much for being here. And with that, we're just going to go into the prayer. But Amy, thank you for the prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for all that you've done. We worship your holy name. Thank you for making us to see a brand new day. Thank you for making us to come here and discuss the book that we read for the month. Father, Lord, I give you all the glory. May your name be highly exalted in Jesus' name. Everlasting Father, we commit the rest of the, we commit the following week into your hands. Father, please take full and total control. Help us and guide us and protect us in all of our endeavors, O oh Lord. And in the next month when we are back here, you shall see us through and be able to find every cause to glorify your name in Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Amen. Okay, have a great day and bye. Feel free to send us DMs and comments about the books that you would like us to read and how you feel about the episode. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Check out our Instagram for book recommendations and for more information at Cots. C-A-U-G-H-T underscore red-handed, R-E-A-D-H-A-N-D-E-D. So at cut underscore red-handed.